0: Welcome to the Deep Sea Dive. I'm your host, Snorkel. On this podcast, we're exploring deconstruction for ex-evangelical escapees of purity culture, something I've affectionately started calling the Deep Sea Dive because between the acronym and my nickname, it was just too good to pass up. The subject matter will include viciously, verbally, and valiantly ripping apart various books, articles, doctrines, influencers, political and religious figures, and other media in effort to expose the unbelievably toxic and harmful aspects that have infected mainstream conservative American Christianity. If you're listening, maybe you're just curious. Maybe you don't really know what deconstruction means, maybe you've never even heard of purity culture or fundamentalism, and you have no idea what Christofascism is doing across the U.S. and across the globe. Or maybe you have, and you do, and you know exactly what it's all about, and you're eager for more information. Maybe you're looking for answers, for solidarity, for validation that what you've experienced and were taught is not good and not true and not right. Maybe you have loved ones who have problematic beliefs and you want to help them find their way out. Maybe you're just dipping your toes. That's okay, too. You don't have to jump in all at once. We all started just by asking questions, but the water is clear and warm and exposes everything in a different perspective, and you can always climb back out if you're not ready yet. Keep in mind, all are welcome in this space. We do not discriminate or judge based on race, ethnicity, gender identity, sexual orientation, age, religion, or lack thereof, or anything else. All we aim to do is examine the harmful indoctrination that many of us have grown up with, and many more of us may be unaware of. Brief trigger warning, this episode contains discussions about purity culture, sexual assault, religious trauma, emotional abuse, and domestic violence. There's a lot I could easily just start rambling about, but I really want to frame this within the context of purity culture. After all, this is a podcast focused on deconstruction for ex-evangelical escapees of purity culture. So let's briefly get into what purity culture means and how it affects people. All people, mind you, not just the men, but the women and the children too, and the NBs and the gender fluid and the virgins and the non-virgins and single people and married people and your little dog too. <clears throat> sorry. According to Wikipedia, quote, purity culture is a subculture within Christianity, which emphasizes subjective individual purity generally associated with female chastity, unquote. Okay, so far it doesn't really sound too bad, right? I mean, female and male chastity has been around for a really long time, with monks and nuns being relatively familiar archetypes within Christianity and other religions. But even going back to ancient times, you had the Vestal Virgins in Rome and other sacred priests and priestesses who took vows of chastity in order to better serve their deities. Today you have people who are asexual or aromantic, and they might choose to forego those types of relationships. You have people religious and non-religious alike, who simply prefer to wait to become sexually active until they're married, or in a committed relationship, or never at all, and that's fine. There are a whole variety of reasons one might choose to be abstinent or chaste, and they're all fine and valid, as long as it is the individual's choice. I'm not here to tell anyone what they should or shouldn't be doing with their own bodies, just, in an ideal world, it would be up to them without any outside pressure. But what makes purity culture in general such a bad thing, and here's an aside to say that purity culture is by no means unique to the Western evangelical Christianity primarily featured in this show. Purity culture exists in a whole variety of formats across the globe and within multiple cultures and it's no less harmful there. But because I live in the U.S. I'm speaking about the American church as a whole, that's all I'm really going to be addressing at this time. What makes purity culture such a bad thing is that it takes away an individual's choice and turns it into an obligation one with extremely high stakes, developed from a myriad of misinformation, and designed for one primary purpose, control. On the surface, most adherents of purity culture will tell you that it's about, quote, guarding your heart, or protecting yourself, or respecting your body. All of which doesn't sound evil on the surface level, but we aren't staying on the surface, we're diving deep. And when you really dissect what they're saying and compare it to what they truly mean, you start to see it's not actually about protecting or helping or valuing anyone. It's all about control. And purity culture isn't just so insidious because it seeks to control people. That in itself would be bad enough, and later we'll go into more detail about why that's so dangerous. But at its core, purity culture has taken on the flavor of something I like to call the sexual prosperity gospel. Regular prosperity gospel is probably at least somewhat familiar to most of us who grew up in any kind of church. If you've ever spent 10 seconds listening to a televangelist, you've been exposed to prosperity gospel. The basic tenet of which is that if you do X, Y, or Z, God will then show favor to you and give you financial and material riches because that's all that really matters. You should follow God because God will make you rich and happy, and your personal happiness is the most important thing ever. Usually, the X, Y, or Z that they're asking you to do is to donate exorbitant amounts of money so that they can get even richer, which they'll then tout as evidence of God's favor, even though even the briefest reading of the Bible, and especially the Gospels, will make it clear that God actually doesn't look too kindly on the greedy. But modern-day purity culture, this sexual prosperity gospel, is the same concept, but with sex and relationships, albeit always heterosexual, instead of money or material wealth. It states, if you do X, then you will get Y, full stop. Like a formula, or even a magic spell, which is especially ironic given how pitifully afraid evangelicals are of anything that smacks even remotely of witchcraft, which is a subject for another day. But this purity formula, this magic spell that guarantees you an amazing marriage and sex life and family forever, It's insane, to say the least. First of all, because life just doesn't work like that. I don't care what you believe in or do, no one can control the future like that and have a perfect outcome. It's just not possible. And I say this as a Christian. But even beyond that, this purity culture formula is one, designed to fail, and two, designed to place all of the blame on the woman. The ideal story goes kind of like this Girl loves God. Girl stays modest. Girl wants to get married, so girl prays. Girl meets boy. Boy likes girl because he can sense that she's super special awesome and holy. Boy asks the girl's father, and not the girl, for permission to court her, never to date her. Girl and boy exchange about 10 sentences worth of communication, always heavily chaperoned. They are never alone and never touch. They are also never taught anything about sex, except maybe the basic mechanics necessary for reproduction. Girl and boy get engaged, and then they get married. They have their first kiss at the altar on their wedding day. They're an inspiration to all the other girls and boys in the crowd just waiting for their turn. Girl and boy finally go and have sex for the first time on their wedding night. It's magical. It's spectacular. The earth shakes and the stars weep. It's a physical, emotional, and spiritual amalgam of just pure ecstasy, all because they both waited and stayed pure. Girl and boy go on to be blissfully happy together, having a perfect relationship and a dozen perfect babies, and they dine each other's arms like in the notebook, only they haven't seen the notebook because TV is for sinners. The end. If you gagged, please rest assured it took me like 45 takes to not barf through that. In the real world, here's what that would actually look like. Girl loves God. Girl thinks the only way to be a good woman is to be totally modest, marry the first guy interested in her so she can guard her heart. Then be his personal porn star and bang maid, pop out a dozen babies, and achieve perfect godly womanhood and never ever wear pants. Girl dresses modestly and prays for God to send her a husband. The first boy who notices girl and has the guts to talk to her father then gets to court her, and then marry her. Girl might or might not particularly like boy. She's been praying for a husband, and he's male and alive and supposedly loves God, so that checks off all of her boxes. It doesn't matter that she feels uncomfortable around him or that they have nothing in common, or that she's not remotely attracted to him. After all, women aren't visual. Only men are. If he thinks she's pretty, and if she stays submissive, then that's enough. All she has to do is stay pure until marriage, and then do whatever he tells her, and then they're just both going to be totally in love with each other forever. Then the wedding day comes, and they have their first kiss. And it just feels awkward and weird and kind of embarrassing. It's too intimate of a moment to make a spectacle of in front of a crowd. But then it's the wedding night, and it's not at all what she expects. It's scary, and it hurts, and she feels violated, and she cries. He's upset that she cries. He was told if he did his part and didn't have sex and tried not to look at porn, he'd be awarded a perfect virgin who would be his own personal porn star. Not some crying, shy, upset, unenthusiastic bride. Over the next several months, it does not get better. She submits when he wants it, but she hates it, and he can tell. He feels bad making her do it, but she owes it to him, right? He waited for her, and now her body belongs to him whenever he wants it. That's what the Bible says, right? Why isn't it working? She feels broken. He feels cheated. They both have zero resources to communicate this. They grow distant. She tries to make him happy in other ways, tries to be feminine and submissive because that's what she was taught. He thinks his only responsibility is to bring him a paycheck and provide because that's what he was taught. In a couple more months she's pregnant. Now she has an excuse to not have sex, although some people, <laughs> thank you Michelle, thinks that she should be joyfully available anyway. But now they've been blessed with a baby and that's proof they're still favored by God, right? They should be happy. But they're not. They have the baby and life gets harder. They still don't communicate. They're both miserable. What happened? They both did everything right, they followed every step of the formula perfectly, so where's the magical happily ever after that they were promised? This is not an isolated story, nor is it exactly anyone's story. It's a composite of the dozens and dozens of marriages I've personally seen growing up in purity culture, as well as partly my own story. It's the harsh reality that undercuts both this idealized view of purity culture and what it supposedly will give you. The reward is hard to come by and the risks are insurmountable again this isn't to say that there can never be anything good to come by waiting but you can't make it a formula life isn't a formula it's disingenuous at best and outright predatory at worst and i have reason to believe that the worst motivations are the more prevalent ones if they truly believed their lifestyle was good and beneficial they wouldn't be doing such an obviously bad job of covering up the fact that way more often than not security culture brings disappointment if not outright abuse Why do I believe this? Because for the past five years of my actual deconstruction, and honestly, the several years before that when I could tell something about this wasn't adding up, I've seen and read and collected so many stories from so many people who've experienced the same disappointment, bad situations, unhappy marriages, and even abuse. Purity culture seldom or never delivers on the astronomical promises it makes. Just look at all these so-called Christian influencers. If they were truly happy, they wouldn't be trying so hard to convince everyone they're happy. Happy people don't waste 90% of their day on social media bloviating about how happy they are, and how they're right, and everyone else is wrong. They don't gloat about all the godly pure married sex they're having. They're too busy actually having sex. And keep in mind, this whole hypothetical we just went through is one of the not-so-bad scenarios. There are many ways this kind of relationship could end up even more fucked up, especially for the woman. This was just how it might play out if both parties were subject to the same indoctrination, but both genuinely wanted to make it work. More often than not, in my experience, and just from what I've seen growing up in this culture and witnessing it firsthand, the man is often also spoon-fed toxic masculinity and taught how to be an abuser if not an outright creditor. If he doesn't actually like or respect his wife, he can easily become super abusive. This is a culture that not only excuses, but also encourages marital rape, physical violence, financial abuse, emotional and verbal abuse, and just so, so much spiritual abuse. If you've still got one foot in the cult, maybe you want to tell yourself that I have a chip on my shoulder. And that's fine. You can believe what you want about me. But just know that I bought into all of this once upon a time. I jumped feet first into a terrible relationship, believing that because I followed the sexual prosperity gospel, everything would magically just work out wonderfully. It did not. It never does. Spoiler alert, even for people who do not end up in abusive relationships, there is still so much shame and stigma to overcome, and it leads to all manner of sexual and intimacy problems. And I'm far from the only one this has happened to. I've been debating whether or not I should actually share my personal story, but regardless, that's a subject for another day. The point I'm trying to make is that it's not uncommon, it does happen to most victims of purity culture, and it is a big deal. Purity culture and the sexual prosperity gospel do exactly what evangelicals claim that pornography does. It gives vulnerable young people terribly unrealistic expectations of what sex is supposed to be, and how you're supposed to do it, and who is supposed to do what. It creates an idol out of sex and marriage, traps people who are not mature enough into lifelong commitments, and it offers few to no resources for addressing any inevitable problems with dismissive instructions to pray more or submit more or try harder. It's creating entire generations of sexually, emotionally, and spiritually stunted people who are ill-equipped to understand their own bodies, let alone their own psyches or beliefs. It does far more harm than any good it could possibly ever do. And whether you're deep in the trenches or you've pulled your way out, maybe you're still suffering from the trauma. I know I am. All we can do is try to heal ourselves and spread the word about the problems with purity culture. And hopefully one day, everyone will have easy access to resources to help them understand these basic human needs and issues in a healthy way. My hope for this podcast is that it will encourage people to think, encourage them to share their stories, and encourage them to fight back against this, for lack of a better term, sex cult that is evangelicalism. So whether you're still a Christian or are deconstructing or wherever you're at, thanks for listening. I hope even a tiny part of this resonated with you and made you feel seen. If you like this podcast, tell your friends. New episodes will be dropping weekly. If you have comments or questions, you can find me on Reddit as The Real Snorkel, and I have a subreddit for this podcast called The Deep Sea Dive. This was just an introduction to purity culture, Um, and next week we are starting a book review that is guaranteed to ruffle your feathers one way or another. I hope you'll join me for that, but for now, I think it's time to come up for a breath of fresh air. Thanks for joining me on the Deep Sea Dive.